Good morning, everybody. This is Ehud, son of Dennis, coming to you live from the road in the Middle West of the United, no, the divided states of America and to the republic from which they stand. Two nations under God, quite divided with liberty and justice for some. For those that have a connection, those that uh, have wealth, influence, power, um, it's not the same level of justice the rest of us get. And while some make a beef about that, uh, based on skin color, in reality, um, it's more about uh, who's in charge, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it. But welcome. We know who's in charge. There is one king who rules over all. That is the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's who we uh, put our faith and trust in here at It's a Religion. But we call out the other things that supposedly aren't religion, like climate change. That is a religion. Um, there's no scientific proof for that. You can't go back a thousand years and say this is what the climate was like back then, and now we see this, and so here we go. Um, it's basically just a play for money. Just like, uh, you know, Anthony Fauci and the NIH, between that organization and the CDC, I cannot imagine how much money is wasted, just completely wasted. Um, U.S. taxpayer money, supposedly, it's our money. I don't think it is anymore. I think the government thinks it's all theirs because that's how they treat it, but uh, that's another story. But here, we like to look at Scripture first, and, um, you know, our premise is that you have on one side the Lord Jesus Christ who created everything, who sustains everything, and who is going to come back one day to claim everything as his own. And on the other side, you have many, many things that fill in the blank of worship of, uh, you know, we were made to worship something. You're either going to worship Jesus Christ, the one true God, the one true King, or something else. You're going to worship yourself. You're going to worship at the feet of science, at the feet of other people, at the feet of uh, other religions, uh, false religions. And uh, you really only have two choices in this life. And I'm listening to a series by John MacArthur right now. And he talks about that from the standpoint of just the book of Genesis by itself. And, you know, he calls out a lot of these people that, that want to claim theistic evolution as a possibility. And he's like, look, evolution could not have happened. It's physically impossible. And yet people put their faith and trust in it anyway. Why is that? Well, they don't want a God. They don't want to have to submit to the holy God of the universe that created everything. You know, his premise, and, and part of this at least, is because of all the information that it takes to make a human being. You know, you've got the digital code or the code, the DNA code that we have now. And that is a great reason to say, look, that does not happen by chance. There, That is a physical impossibility. And then for one form of a creature to, to turn into another form is also physically impossible. It's not genetically possible. It's not within the genetic coded sequence of that uh, kind, if you will. And that's why God called them kinds when he created them. Um, they're, uh, within reason, you have variation, but that's it. There's a, a stopping point, a uh, physical barrier that does not allow thing. I mean, again, and then you've got um, animal evolution and plant evolution and all this other stuff. It is a joke, people. It's a religion. And the fact that uh, in our society today, in the public school system, that is the religion that is taught as science. 
is the religion of evolution. You now have uh, preschoolers getting taught about transgenderism being normal. What more do you need to get rid of the public school system or leave it to the people who want to be indoctrinated, who want their children indoctrinated? Because that's what's going on. It's not about educating them in reading, writing, and arithmetic and teaching them social skills um, from a Christian worldview. That I can tell you. So, I mean, we saw a story today about that uh, in the stack, and it just makes my heart completely sad. But my heart rejoices when I read the book of Genesis because the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's the book of creation. It's the book that uh, um, gives you the ability to have faith that this life has purpose and meaning. And it's not all a random chance accident. And uh, to me, I think that's a beautiful thing. When you can contrast the two and say, okay, on one side, I have purpose. I have um, value. You know, I was created in the image of God. And then on the other side, you know, you have religions that don't give any purpose whatsoever. Um, Mohammedism does in that uh, basically... You still don't know, though, when you leave the earth, if you're going to be accepted by God because he's so separate and so above you. He's not a personal God in any way. But, you know, the religion of evolution basically is a free-for-all. You know, why you would have any moral authority when you put your trust in the religion of evolution is beyond me because there's there's no foundation for objective truth. None. It's If random chance is how we got here, then why why is that everything random? And, you know, you see it playing out in our society when they're trying to say that things like two men getting married is normal. It's not normal. It's not the way we were designed to be. Uh, we're going to see that in the story about Sodom and Gomorrah today. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of transgenderism. I You know, some of this stuff, I get the idea of compassion in it. Trying to have, have supposedly have compassion for people that are on the, on the fringe. And our, you know, we shouldn't be, uh, how should I say this? We shouldn't be disingenuous toward anybody in our society. You know, we should care for everybody. But caring for someone and speaking truth in their lives uh, is a big deal. And when you coddle people that um, have an abnormalcy, have uh, issues, uh, especially mentally, then that's not good. That is not going to help them in any way. It's not, um, uh, there's, there's more to that, but anyway, Genesis 19, let's, let's start there. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, at evening and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now Lot supposedly is a righteous man living in an awful place. So Reminds me of most U.S. big cities at this point. Like, I would think Chicago to me is an anathema. It's an awful place. And yet there are righteous folks living there. I mean, we've got some friends that live in there. On the south side, even. And uh, um, I just I can't imagine that. It seems like you're taking your life in your own hands every day you walk out the door. But then again, we all do. Uh, anytime you drive a car, right? And he said, Behold now, and my lords, turn in. I pray you into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, we will abide in the street all night. <coughs> you know, they were sent there with a purpose. 
and that was to review what was going on in Sodom. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. So apparently angels can eat. That's kind of interesting to me. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round with old and young, all the people from every quarter. So I don't know that it, it says in here how many people lived in Sodom and Gomorrah at this point, but um, I would imagine it was a few. I mean, you were nine generations removed from the flood. Um, so, you know, that allowed a fair amount of time for people to, to repopulate the earth. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Now, what do you think that means? That means, much like what is going on in our society today, people should be able to love who they want to love without judgment, without any restraints. And Lot went out at the door and shut the door after him. And I said, pray you, brethren, do not do so wickedly. So right there, he calls that a wicked thing, that these men want to uh, <clears throat> do things with these other men that they shouldn't be doing. Now behold, now I have two daughters, which I have not known, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only do unto these men nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. So back then women didn't have a lot of standing in society. And he's basically just going to cast his daughters to the wolves here. Because he's trying to save these angels. Um, and they said stand back. And they said again this one fellow came in to sojourn. And he will need be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. So they're like, dude, get out of our way. You know, we want to do what we want to do. And so, you know, you have a, have a insurgency. You have a crowd. You have uh, a group of folks that, that are going to cause some serious issues here. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. So the angels bring Lot back. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they were worried themselves to find the door. So what cracks me up is they're now blind and yet they're still looking for the door to try and break into Lot's house. And the men said unto Lot, Has thou any here any besides, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is much and great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. So they're not going anywhere. And when the morning arose, and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the inequity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon his hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass that when they had brought them abroad, he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my lord. Behold now, thy servant has found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which you have showed unto me in saving my life. I cannot, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. So I, I 
Maybe it's just me, but Lot seems like a pretty pathetic guy living in Sodom when he's supposed to be righteous around all this stuff. Uh, very evil city. And yet he's still, he's like thanking the Lord, but yet now he's like, well, I can't live in the mountains or I'm going to die. Behold now, this city, instead of looking at it going, God's saving me, right? Obviously nothing's going to happen. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overflow the city, overthrow the city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything until uh, you come thither. Before the name of the city was called Zor, and the sun was risen upon the earth, and Lot entered into Zor. And the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities, and all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So a lot of people have said she looked back because she desired to that life that she had in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and maybe some of the evil parts of that life. Um, but it, you know, it could be just looking at all the destruction. I don't know. But she was told not to, and she did. And how somebody turns instantly into a pillar of salt, I don't know. But it's, it's pretty crazy. And Abraham uh, got up early in the morning in a place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked down, looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward the land of the plain, and beheld, lo, smoke of the country went up as smoke of a furnace. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. And he overthrew the cities in which uh, Lot dwelt. Now, it seems to me here, Lot was saved and spared because of Abraham, not because of his own actions, but because of Abraham's faith. And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain, because again, Lot chose to live there in the first place, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zor, and he dwelt in a cave, and he and his two daughters. So this guy was full of a lot of fear. What is the devil's faith? Fear, right? If you're walking in fear your whole life, you're going to be uh, in bad shape. And this is just one example of that. There's many of them in the Bible. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. So where did they get the wine? And we will lie with him, we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and perceived not when she lay down. Now, the daughters are doing a wicked thing here. So it's just multiplying on top of uh, things. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father, let us make him drink wine again to preserve the seed. And made their father drink, and the younger went in with them. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab, and the same as the father of the Moabites. And the younger she bare a son called his name Ben-Ami, and the same as the father of the children of Ammon to this day. So there were two uh, groups of folks that came out of that, uh, those unions. And um, then we're going to switch back to the story of Abraham after that. So... It's really just a sad, sad story. And when I think about what our country is saying is good and true and right, you know, that gay marriage is somehow a good thing. And um, 
all these other things that uh, are evil in the Lord's eyes. Um, you know, Canada just passed some law that says you can't preach, you, you can't try and help someone convert back, like if they are having an issue with uh, same-sex attraction, that they can't be trying, you know, coached to or helped to be normal again because anything that goes against the current narrative on gay marriage and things like that is uh, an anathema to them. It's, it's not, not acceptable because they have to be accepted as normal. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they know it's wrong in their heart of hearts and by forcing everyone else to accept it, somehow that's going to make it acceptable and good and true. And, you know, no matter how hard they try, it's never going to change the fact that it's not. And we need to care about them. We need to um, help them. Um, but help them in the right way and speak truth into their lives. Just like anybody else that's in inherent sin, even yourself, if you're having issues with things, we should be speaking to ourselves and encouraging ourselves. So, um, with that, let's take a look at some news of the day. And uh, I thought this was a good one. U.S. Senate considers App Store reform bill. And this is going to give, uh, you know, right now we have a, a duopoly. We don't have a monopoly. We have a duopoly. There's only two places you can get a smartphone, Apple or Google, right? And they pretty much run the world at this point. And... Uh, really to break that up, at least on the App Store, I think that's what this bill is about. Um, I really don't like government invention, intervention uh, so much, but when you have a situation where two entities control the flow of information so drastically, um, you know, I am about a level playing field. And right now I don't think there is one. There's, there's not a level playing field for access. Um, you know, Gab, for instance, can't can't put a, an app out there, and um, because they won't won't allow it because it's it's too religious. You know, the guy that runs that is an actual Christian, and that's what what makes me wonder about apps like Getter and uh, things of that nature. Is it really a good replacement for Twitter? Maybe it's a little bit freer, but is it really uh, a good thing? So anyway, I think. In this case, maybe it's warranted. Here's a really good story. PA football coach cancels weightlifting workout, tells players to shovel snow for neighbors instead. And uh, this is near Pittsburgh. And I just thought that is really cool that these guys, uh, and he just says, due to expected severe weather, Monday's weightlifting workout has been canceled. Find an elderly or disabled neighbor and shovel their driveway. Don't accept any money. That's our Monday workout. I'm voting for that coach or governor of Pennsylvania because that's what, what service is all about, not mandates and cheating in elections. That's pretty cool. i got to give the guys some kudos on that one. And then uh, to go through today's liberal news, I just get to go to my, you know, I live in a small rural community in uh, an upper northwest county in Illinois. And the paper has just been taken over by USA Today and AP. And it's a, it's a sad thing. You know, I just, 
I look at uh, I look at what's what's going on uh, through our own paper, and I, I just I'm like I don't know. I almost want to start a new paper that is just local news and get away from the uh, indoctrination that the liberal media is putting forth. You know, so I, one of the first the top right corner, Stevenson County's. COVID cases up 26.1%. And I just want to say, so what? They've gone up, they've gone down, they've gone up, they've gone down. You guys have tried to lock everybody down and do all this stuff, and it's two years later. It's almost two years from two weeks to the spread. That was in February, I believe, two years ago. Two weeks to slow the spread. Well, I guess it slowed the spread to the point where we're going to have to deal with it for two years instead of just getting it over with. Um, and then FHN, our local health network is all bought into the the crud and then you get to what page five and climate change worsens maria's impact now, how do they know that that is ridiculous um diseases of stress access plague puerto rico so somehow climate change has made it worse and they're going to quantify that for us isn't that great initiative aims to combat native american vaccine hesitancy how about just stop with the non-vaccine, with the shots that don't work. Um, and then you throw in, you know, way back on page seven, something that, that sounds at least even-handed. U.S. watchdog warned of Afghan Air Force collapse. Uh, yeah. And USI's thinning of wildfire hotspots. Yeah, boy, would that be a good idea. It'd be about time. So anyway, it's it's interesting. Well, you know, I would love to see our, our local paper come back and actually have some uh, conservative information in it again instead of all this liberal gobbledygook that you get out of the AP and uh, USA Today. And um, interesting thing... Uh, Biden administration to provide hundreds of millions with free N95 masks. Well, how are they going to do that? Are the companies making them for free? That's pretty cool. Oh, no. They're going to pay for them and provide them for free. Well, who paid for them? Right? I, it cracks me up when anybody says that. The government's going to do something for free for you. Because that's not true. It doesn't work that way. Um... Things cost money. Things uh, um, are never free. You know, they cost money to make. They cost money to produce. Cost money to sell. And um, yeah. Anyway, that's but you know, as long as people believe that, we're in deep doo doo. So, poll: fifty nine percent of Democrats support locking down the unvaccinated. Isn't that great? And I would say I would, it's probably a greater percentage of Democrats would want to lock down uh, Christian conservatives. And because that's what they've been trying to do, the January 6th deal from last year. Um, these people have not had due process. Um, you know, the election uh, integrity in our country is, is a joke. Um, that election of 2020 was one of the worst, one, you know, probably the worst election in history. And yet to even question it, you are uh, supposedly uh, anti-American. And 
uh, are against our democracy. And it just, it's, it's laughable. So I hope and pray that uh, uh, within this country, um, there'll be a, I guess, a red wave, you would call it, this fall that will knock the Democrats out of power and basically make Joe uh, Biden a lame duck for two years, which he really is anyway. So, but look, folks, you know, all that being said, I mean, you see this coach doing that with his players with the uh, shovel and snow. There's a cool, there's still some good things that go on in this world, in this country. And at the root of all that is faith, is faith in the right things in the right place. And that is what this life is all about, folks, is putting faith in the right things and then exhibiting that faith in your life. And that starts with Jesus. It starts with uh, Jesus being king and Lord of your life. And if you don't know him, you need to find him. You need to seek him out. He says he will be found by those who seek him. And uh, if you don't have uh, a Bible, there's plenty of Bible apps out there that uh, you can get the Bible in or you know read the book of John to start. That's where I encourage people to start because it gives a good picture of who Christ is and uh, and go from there. But, but hey, have a great day. We're going to call it a show, and uh, um, we'll catch you tomorrow.